Well, praise the Lord. I'm thankful that He identifies with me and He knows my needs. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel. Two nuns were driving down a country road when they ran out of gas. They walked to a farmhouse and a farmer gave them some gasoline. But the only container that he had was an old bedpan. The nuns were happy to take it, whatever they were offered, and then they returned to their car. As they were pouring the gasoline from the bedpan into the tank of their car, a man drove by. He stopped, rolled down his window and said, Excuse me, sisters, I'm not of your religion, but I couldn't help admiring your faith. Sometimes it appears that the church is out of touch with reality. Listen closely. People today are looking for real Christianity. They want to be challenged. Churches that can effectively demonstrate that they are aware of what is going on in the world and around them and minister to those needs, they're experiencing dramatic, radical growth. Most dynamic churches grow between 27 and 33% a year. Churches that just continue to do what they have always done tend to go two directions. Either they grow 2% per year or they decline gradually until they are small enough to close the doors of the church. Most of these churches either do not realize that they are dying or have decided that they are going down with the ship. Why is there a decline on interest in our churches today? Quite simply, because the church is not perceived as relevant to the community. When the church can show relevance and meaning in the community, the church has broken the mold and begins to turn around. Now, before you get confused this morning, relevance means that we will still preach and teach the truth of Jesus Christ. But it also means that we may have to use the modern tools that we have in our sanctuary and in the church. But that really is a huge issue that I would like to leave with you for the moment and then we'll look at another aspect of real Christianity this morning. The church needs to demonstrate its worth by calling people to become real followers of Jesus Christ. Making a sacrifice for something or someone you love. So you say, but preacher, what is sacrifice? And I have to say, you know, as I was studying this message and the Lord gave it to me this past week, my thought on sacrifice is, as soon as we say the word sacrifice, we think of one character, and who is that? Jesus Christ, right? We know that the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but they'll they'll have everlasting life. He gave the very thing he loved so much. He sacrificed his only son. So we realize that sacrifice is loss. It is a loss or something you give up, usually for the sake of a better cause. An act of propitiation, of worship, 
or worship to be a follower, period. So I'm going to ask you this question as we kick off this morning. Have you found the real Jesus? There are a number of popular songs today where the artist is looking for a real Savior. People. Popular people who influence our culture are looking for real life in something that is larger than themselves. If you would, please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. These guys were real followers. They were committed to go wherever Jesus would take them. Well, I wonder, do we have a good idea of what a real follower is? And so this morning, the guys we're going to read about today are real followers. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Jesus is preaching. He's telling everybody, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's given people hope. How many of you believe with a shout of an amen that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? He is the only life. He is the way. It was so exciting for me last week as I sat with our Nepali fellowship and they signed that lease and we took pictures. And if you're my Facebook friend, I put some pictures on there of Pastor Dahl signing that lease. And I looked at him at the very end and said, do you know what we received today? We received $2,000 for the Nepali Fellowship. He looked at me and Sanjay had to interpret. And then his eyes got big and some of the other Nepali men that are the leaders in the church said, really, Pastor? I said, yes. Isn't it amazing that God knows our needs? He looks beyond everyone's fault. He knows our needs. And I was able to look at them and say, listen, the God I serve, the Christ that I have a personal relationship with, with, has life. Nothing greater that I hear from them. We We all take our privileges of knowing Jesus Christ for granted. We really do. When we've got Muslims growing by leaps and bounds, let me tell you something, the Jehovah Witnesses are saturating this neighborhood because they're going after the Bhutanese, the Burmese, and the Nepalis. Their message is not a message of hope, nor is it of life. It's a message that's leading people to hell. And if we don't get excited about the Christ we follow, the Christ we serve, then we'll have no excitement at all. So today... I want you to be excited that you are a child of the Most High God and that you're a follower of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus has come to you. God the Father, as we believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they've ministered to you. There has been a time in your life when you know that the Holy Spirit has spoke to you and you have not followed Him. God has told people this morning, get your bum out of bed. Get to church. And we sit there and go, no, I just can't get myself up and get out of the pillow. And I know you're here today. But we have excuses across America why we no longer follow Him nor show any excitement. Woo! 
Shouldn't we get excited? I mean, think about it. If I was not excited, and as most people call me charismatic, if I wasn't excited about the Christ I serve, there would be no hope. Why would I be a pastor? I didn't realize that a a skinny little pencil head boy would be called to preach into his adult life who would be intimidated to stand up in front of people and have a speech impediment. But thankfully enough that God knew exactly what the course of my life was going to be. And when I heard that voice, he said, come after me, follow me, that I heeded it and I listened. There are fishermen. They're out busy, just like we're busy. We're busy on Facebook. My wife will say, honey, you need to look at me. Look me in the eyes. You're looking on Facebook. I'm like, I know. Give me just a minute. I'm writing a status or uploading a picture or whatever, downloading however, whatever way you do it. But we get distracted, don't we? What distracts you? What distracts you from sacrificing your life for a greater cause for something you love? And the question is this. How much do you love God, teenagers? What have you done this week to communicate your love for God? What have you done this week on Facebook to let people know Abandon is having a luncheon. I want you to come to my church and experience Christ who's alive. I looked at Pastor Chris this past week and I said, Why is it that we have all these tools but we never tell anybody to follow? We, we have all these tools and we have today I'm sick and I don't feel good. Could you recommend something for my stuffed up nose? But I never see anything that says something like this. I overheard that at this church in Akron, Ohio, they feel the spirit of the Lord. Are you kidding me, pastor? What is everybody going to think? I'm some holy roller. I'm not going to post anything on Facebook says anything about a church. We expect it from you. You're the pastor. Come on. That's, your, that's my expectation of you. But I have an expectation of you. And not only me as your pastor, but God has an expectation of you. And he's given you some tools to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus was walking down the Sea of Galilee and he took a megaphone, which he didn't have. And he was spreading the gospel. He was preaching. And so we get to the text here where in Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 it says this. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw the other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father father, and followed him. Now, go over to Mark chapter 1. That's Matthew, Mark. Chapter 1. I would like to make the point that we could start at verse 16, but I want to show you again where Jesus calls to fishermen. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. 
and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? The Bible. The repentance of sin. Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew's brother casting an net into the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus said to them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets, they left their nets, and they followed him. Verse 19, I'm just going to read this because I, I, I love verse 20. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Now, let me interpret that for you. If I look at George and I say, hey, George, come on, and I grab him by the arm and I, 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 I yank him up to the platform, I says, come with me. If I said, hey, guys, something's going on out here, come with me. You guys would all jump out of your seat and you take off out of there, right? I mean, you, you'd like hit that door so hard, you'd think a bomb went off. But why is it we do this? Hey, neighbor, I'll take to church. Well, you think you can make it this Sunday? Got something special going on, having some luncheon after church. Can you make it? I surely wouldn't want to go. Would you? I mean, think about the message that we have to give. I remember when I was in high school, speaking to teenagers, standing in the midst of a room of 35 to 40 students, and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and getting people excited. And I even I remember uh, some dear friends, and I'm so thankful, and I hope that maybe Steve hears this message, but he left the Jehovah Witness occult, and he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I'm so thankful for that. But I'll never for, forget speech class. I got so excited, I was all fired up to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ about Him coming back to rapture His church and who's going to be there. And it's not just going to be 144,000. Cricket, cricket. Say, say this with me. Amen, preacher. Amen. Do you know that verse says, and many were added unto them afterwards? He went to the cross for all mankind. If we don't show excitement... For the gospel of Jesus Christ will never have followers. It's said that he repented. Get your heart right. Change from your sinful ways. And he said, follow me. Let's go. They left the very thing they loved. Some of you are doing some things that you love. And God has pricked your heart. He has reached down and into your heart of hearts. And he said, listen... I'm going to squeeze your heart till you do something about it. But you just don't move. Because you're clutching on to pride, to selfishness. You're clutching on to the very things that are convenient for you. Being in a blizzard yesterday, loading up a bunch of chairs. As I'm watching Ron Sr. when we left Sam's, there you are. And we're, we're up here on this road, and that van's going all the way up the hill. And I, I, I said this in my head, and I, were you sitting up front? Was that Pastor Dahl? Pastor Dahl was sitting up front in my truck. And I said, oh, dear Lord, help this man get that up the hill. 
I never really thought about the weight being in the back of that trailer because we had so many chairs and tables and so forth. But you know what? It's a parade. It was exciting. I love that I could sacrifice my time in a blizzard. And I'm just thankful that Ron Jr. went and picked up that van and he sacrificed his time in a blizzard. Instead of going, oh man, Pastor Doll, I can't make it out today. It's a little bit snowy. But interesting how we'll go out to dinner. Hmm. Interesting how we'll go to the movies. Interesting how we make appointments. Hmm. But we come up with excuses why we can't do anything for the Lord. And we wonder why people aren't coming to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Go ahead, preach it, preacher. Okay, I will. Thank you. I say all that to say, sacrifice, 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 sacrificing something that you love for something that's more important to you and that you love more importantly. Something or someone. You have to come to a place where you realize that Jesus Christ loved you so much. And at that point, he didn't even know you. But he knows you now. And he says he died for all sinners. That's us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this message. Lord, help us to be true followers, to give up whatever that you ask of us. Oh God, help us to be a follower, to sacrifice, to be a servant. Take us from a comfortable element and throw us into the uncomfortable Lord, let us see who you are and let others believe that Jesus Christ is truly our Savior and we mirror who he is. God, bless this message. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, help us to understand what true sacrifice is all about. In your name we pray. Amen. I don't want to preach today. Instead... I just want to talk to you about a word we don't hear much anymore. Sacrifice. It's not what I'd call a modern word. People hear the word sacrifice and they become afraid that something will be taken away from them. Or they'll have to give up something they can't live without. Sacrifice to them means loss in a world telling us we can have it all. But I believe true sacrifice is a victory because it requires our free will to give up something or someone you love for something or someone you love more than yourself. I won't lie to you. It's a gamble. Sacrifice won't take away the pain of loss, but it wins the battle against bitterness. The bitterness that dims the light on all that is of true value in our lives. But I believe true sacrifice is victory because it requires our free will to give up something or someone you love for something or someone you love more than yourself. There was a man who was having trouble with his leg, so he went to the doctor. The doctor said, you have a little gout, so I suggest you give up smoking and drinking for a while. The man said, what, just so I can walk a little better? The great physician 
knows what is good for us. He wants to help your walk get better. Luke chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me, please. Luke 5. What has Jesus asked you to give up? True followers give up whatever Jesus asks. Generally, Jesus asks us to give up whatever we are holding on to with both hands, whatever we're clenching to. He will ask you for the one thing that you said you would never give up because He knows that it controls you. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Him to hear the Word of God, He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him. That means he asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, We have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Then they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him in the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not from henceforth, thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Do you know what I find interesting about this text? These guys could have said, we'd rather be fishing. And they saw that God's word has lost its finesse. There are those who don't want to listen to authority from an old book. Now, some of you would rather be, wouldn't rather be fishing. And I'm not talking about Mike Rupel. You'd rather be hunting or com- competing or golfing. Maybe some of you want to sleep. I love sleep. What is that Jesus has asked you to give up? And I'm going to ask you a personal question. Have you done it? Have you given up what he's asked? Listen, because I don't want you to think that you are immune to this point. This question determines what kind of relationship you and I are going to have with Jesus. If you're sitting here today thinking, well, I'm fine because I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I've been in it for 50 years. I want you to stop and I want you to reflect. Nothing is more frustrating to me than when someone comes up and says, what a great sermon, Pastor. My sister needed to hear that. Do you remember what the man did when he said that to Jesus? A man came up to Jesus and said, I listened to your lessons. Please tell my brother to give me my share of the inheritance. Found in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Jesus said, my message is for you. Don't be greedy or envious. Friends, This message this morning is for you. Is the new relationship in the way? Then I tell you, get those priorities in line. Is the job in the way? Then better find a way to worship anyways. 
Are you serving in a ministry role but have not sacrificed? Are you clutching on to a ministry team so that you can control it? Perhaps Jesus is asking you to give up the last thing that you thought he would ever ask for. It could be that some of us need to leave a way of thinking. There's some who might need to give up an attitude of prejudice. Some are going to have to stop telling bigoted racist jokes in the lunchroom. Some are going to have to abandon their sexist behavior. And some are going to have to leave sinful habits. Some are going to have to leave meanness and anger behind. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Nothing. The church has been tested to the level of sacrifice here at New Hope in the past six months. And it continues to be tested in the future. Real followers are trying to make a difference. Sacrifices have been made in an effort to add staff here, to build an addition both financially and through other gifts. Currently, we have over $40,000 designated to these projects. But this is not the only way real followers here are making a difference. Real followers make a difference here by bringing friends and family to church, by personally studying the Bible, by praying for the church and the community daily, and by serving when there is a task that needs done. Being a real follower is going to cost you something. It might be money, it might be time, and it might be any number of things. You say, what am I supposed to sacrifice? Well, you have to look at Jesus to find that one. So do you want to be a real follower? Have you given up what Jesus has asked you to do? The men were busy. They're attending to their nets. You know what I find very interesting? If you really study how Jesus and the disciples, how he chose them. Do you really believe that God is the God of second chances? Amen. Thank you. I think as being your pastor for eight years, I hope you've learned something. Thank God he is a God of second chances and third and fourth and fifth. But if you'll, if you'll study that part of it, the disciples... As some say, and as I was reading, I went to John chapter 1, verse 35, where he chose the disciples. And then he said, listen, follow me. But if you'll notice in Luke what I just read, what did he tell them to do? Get in your boats and let's, pu- let's push it out. And he said to them, nothing's going on. We're not going to catch any fish. He said, and now this is me. I'm kind of helping out here just a little bit. Really, Jesus needs to help me out, but I'm just going to say maybe what I thought he said. Well, how many times do I have to teach you this lesson? Have you thought that before too? Because I have. So he's teaching us a lesson. Here's what he says. Push it out there. Here's what happened. The disciples, they went with him, they followed him, and then they went back to their task. They got busy, and they forgot. Guess who shows up again? Jesus. Because he says to them, Listen, I want to make you fishers of men. I want you to spread the gospel. I want you to see souls saved and lives changed. 
And so what they did was they cast their nets down and they saw a miracle take place. Why do you think that God allowed a miracle to take place with these men that were doubters? Because he wanted them to be signed, sealed, and delivered. When they got ready to to give the message, the gospel message, he wanted them to believe. You know, when when I look at this, I, I was even sitting this morning praying in the darkness of my prayer room and looking over my message, and I thought to myself, how many times do you have to give my attention, God, before I'm going to do something? I mean, do you take things away from me? Do you shake me? Do you, do you cause hardship just so that I'll start wearing out my knees and I'll start praying more? Do I have to start seeing more miracles? Is the steeple on this church a miracle? Amen. Amen. Is the building we're in a miracle? Do you know that, I'm, I'm telling you, that churches are locking their doors. They're closing. I just want to feel the Holy Spirit. I just want to see God all the time. When I walk up, not walk up, we drove up, and I walk in the building up here on East Chicago Falls Avenue, you know what my thought is? Wow, God, here's another miracle. Do you know how I pray every day? Lord, I need a miracle. Lord, I need a miracle. He hears me say, I need a miracle more times than I say hello to people. I go to bed every night and I say, I need a miracle. I wake up in the morning. This morning I was praying, Lord, I need a miracle. And he's probably thinking, I show you a miracle every day, Todd. You woke up and got out of bed. But I want to share with you, God is real. And we need to be a follower of his. Number two, true followers are completely dependent on Jesus. Turn over, if you would, please, to Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans chapter 12. I only have three points this morning, so we won't make it long. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, 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 a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have you learned to depend upon Him for everything in your life? Listen, you're not dead. Quit acting like it. Drives me crazy. Oh, I I have to tell you something. I started leading a choir at 15 years of age at Bethel in Ravenna. You know what I get tired of? Well, I'm too old. I can't make it. You're too old. You can't make what? I love when I see some 90-plus wonderful young people out serving the Lord. I was on the phone, talked with my cousin Ed, and his pastor was Dr. Fair. And I said to Ed, I said, we were talking about Becky, their daughter, and some hardship that they had in the ministry, but that man has served the Lord for over 50 years. I said, Ed, is, is Dr. Fair still preaching? And he said, I, from what I understand, he just retired. I said, how old is he? He goes, I think he's like 89. If I came up here and preached like this, God could give me the fire and the message just as if I'm standing up. I told Becky, I said, you know, 
we, we have sacrificed a lot. I love this church. I have a passion for this church. You know, over the years, we haven't had health insurance. I don't have that wonderful 401k plan. I don't have all this wonderful, great stuff. Just last year, in 2013, the church was so kind and gracious to start giving us money towards a health care plan. But when you have a family of, you know, 17 people like I do of mine, it costs too much money. So we opened up a little HRA account that helps with dentists and doctors' appointments and eyeglasses and all that kind of stuff and so on and so forth. But I have to tell you something. We've sacrificed something for something we love. God knows that. And I'm not standing up here boasting. He's been good to us. Thank you, Jesus. And I understand what you're saying. It could be catastrophic. But God knows the sacrifices I've made because I love this congregation. And I'm not here for a monetary gain. I'm here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to grab a hold of that as well. I told Becky, yeah, I may not have a retirement plan right now. But I just pray that God will just keep me going. He'll take care of all of our needs. I could sit down and go, oh, I need a life insurance policy. I need a health insurance policy. I need a car policy. I need a dog policy and a cat policy. Bless Violet. I just love my little cat. And uh, we do need to get a policy on her. But anyhow, you know, we all say we have policy. Can you believe, just for some of you who don't know, I'm not a cat lover. But I spoil Violet. Matter of fact, I even get jealous because she seems to go over to Mommy's lap more than she does mine. So I made her starve for the past week. She's on a fast. And I didn't. I came home last night. The girls laugh. I know this is an advertisement, but I'm just going to throw it in there. We were here at the church all day yesterday and and back and forth. Becky was here and I was up. uh, We were building that platform. And I get home and the girls are always like, Dad, do you really have to greet that cat every time you come in? See, you have a guard dog. I have a guard cat. She sits on the steps and waits for Daddy and Mommy to come home. Isn't that sweet? So anyhow, she's a good cat too. I'm just telling you. So... Anyhow, uh, as soon as she hears us, she comes. I don't care where she's at. Most of the time, she's sitting right there. You can look through the window, and she's waiting for us. And, uh, you know, so last night I walk in. I don't say things like, girls, have you fed yourself today? I looked at Lindsay and said, all right, who fed the cat? Did she get fed this afternoon? Oh, Victoria took care of it, Dad. Isn't that crazy that she could love an animal so much? But I say all that to say... I'm not sacrificing my cat. But what I am doing is I do love my cat. And uh, who would ever think she, she just really brings joy to us. But, uh, you know, I've really become this soft part for animals. I've always loved animals, but I sure love that Siamese cat. Do you guys get it now? Okay, I love the cat. But uh, I just want you all to know that when we make sacrifices, we need to understand those sacrifices are for something that we love. And... I'm just going to say this. See, there's not another pastor that goes off on some tangent like I do in, in Ohio. I'm just, I'm just doing it to wake you up. Listen closely. There's a sign seen in a text mill, when your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. A young woman was new on the job. Her thread became tangled and she thought, I'll just straighten this out myself. So she tried. But the situation only worsened. Finally, she called the foreman. I did the best I could, she said. He said, no, you didn't. To do the best, you should have called me. If we want to have a real life, the best life we possibly can, we need to learn total dependence on God. Ruth Graham said in 1991, Since God has put his work into your weak hands, look not for long ease here. You must feel the full weight of your calling. 
a weak man with a strong God. A weak man with a strong God. In fact, God is not interested in what you and, or I can do on our own. He delights in the tasks when we trust Him for them. Imagine that these followers, these fishermen, okay, you with me? Didn't even take any fish when, when they followed Jesus. Complete trust gave them a complete life. Real trust gave them real hope. They did not decide to attend once or twice in a year to, or to catch Jesus at the feeding of the 5,000. They were not just sold on Jesus. They were sold out for Jesus. Mike Slaughter, a minister here in Ohio, he wrote a book. And it's called Real Followers. It says Jesus spoke to everyone, but the people fell into three categories. Curious, convinced, and the committed. Which one do you fall into this morning? These disciples were beyond the curious. They were convinced that this guy was for real and they wanted to become real followers. They fell into the realm of being committed. The difference in lifestyle is apparent. The curious show up and leave when Jesus asks for sacrifice and commitment. People do leave. As soon as there's sacrifice and commitment, bam, they're out the door. The convinced are there faithfully like a bunch of roadies at a rock concert. When Jesus asks them to make meaningful sacrifices and lasting commitment, they don't leave. They just don't respond. But the real followers found in the life of the one who is committed. And so Jesus asks for commitment and sacrifice. And they do it. People who give it all up for the sake of the call. The late Supreme Court Justice Oliver Holmes was on a train when a conductor came through collecting tickets. Holmes couldn't find his ticket and became rather distraught, and the conductor tried to console him by saying, Mr. Holmes, don't worry. When you find your ticket, just mail it in to us. We trust you. Mr. Holmes responded in frustration. My dear man, that's not my problem. I need my ticket to tell me where I'm going. Listen closely. Jesus may be your ticket today, if you're lucky. The mark of a real disciple's dependence on Jesus and allowing Him to lead you where you, are, where you are going. Number three, true followers go where Jesus leads. True followers go where Jesus leads. And as I conclude and, and head down through here, do you realize how countercultural this idea is? If people would obey the call to follow wherever God wanted them to go, do you know what the impact would be in our world? Listen closely. Mission fields would be full. Churches would be packed. Bible colleges would be full. Hospitals would remain in the hands of the church. Ideally, there's a plan for a perfect world. A world that we won't experience until we are in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Verses 21 through 23, it's not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Here's what he's truly saying. Those who acknowledge me with their life. So the hard questions may be tough, but they are essential. Does my life demonstrate the life of one who is sold out to Jesus? Am I willing to go wherever Jesus would want me to go? 
What are the implications of that? It might mean changing jobs. It could mean finishing college. It could mean a complete lifestyle change. It might even mean more involvement in the community or in the church. It might mean giving up that which is most precious to me. S.I. McMillan in his book, None of These Diseases, tells a story of a young woman who wanted to go to a college, but her heart sank when she read the question on the application blank, and here's what was asked. Are you a leader? Being both honest and conscientious, she wrote no and returned the application. Expecting the words, to her surprise, she received the letter from the college. It says this, Dear Applicant, A study of the application forms reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it is imperative that they have at least one follower. Jesus needed and still does need people who are willing to follow him to the ends of the earth. I'd love to tell you that you can make this kind of commitment casually and it won't affect your fishing trips, or your golf game. But that is simply not true. Becoming a real follower is something that is going to require decision, dedication, and dependence. But it is what real followers do. You may not be called to go overseas on a mission project. You might be called on to be a voice of integrity and influence in your community. You may end up hearing his call to accept a role of leadership, deacon, trustee, Here at New Hope, you might find him leading you out of one area of ministry and service into another. What category will you fall into? Casual, convinced, or committed? And as I conclude and give you this final thought, listen closely. I am reminded of a word we don't hear much anymore. The word sacrifice. It's not what I would call a modern word. People hear the word sacrifice and they become afraid. That something will be taken away from them or they will have to give up something they just can't live without. Sacrifice to them means loss in a world telling us we can have it all. But I believe true sacrifice is a victory because you see, it requires our free will. To give up something or someone you love for something or someone you love more than yourself. I won't lie to you. It's a gamble. Sacrifice won't take away the pain of loss, but it wins the battle against bitterness. The bitterness that dims the light on all that is of true value in our lives. In Luke's version of this text, Peter falls at Jesus' feet, and here's what he declares. Lord, I am a sinful man. I know some people who don't get involved because they have indulged in a sinful lifestyle. John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you need to get those things out of your life, Jesus asks you to follow Him. To turn away. To humble yourselves. To pray. To seek His face. You'll hear from heaven and He'll heal you. Jesus is asking you to leave your sin. He's asking you to come to Him and depend on Him for comfort, for hope, 
for strength, and for life. Jesus wants to use you to make His message known. So this morning, you can come and be a part of the kingdom of God. Be a follower. It's free. And it offers victory. Will you come this morning? Will you receive the invitation that Jesus Christ started as He journeyed upon this earth, calling every one of us to be followers? I do stand humbled that I listened and I heeded the call of God. And then as I drove by a building up the street, that I called the landlord. And that there's excitement and there's revival. And the Holy Spirit is doing a work right now during their church service. Because we listened and we followed. God's given you a free will. And I'm going to ask you an important question. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If you don't know Him, it's your free will. You can step outside of your seat. You can come down front. And you too can know of the same joy, the same victory that I have. Will you be surrendered? Will you say in your heart, Today, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, I have decided to follow Jesus. Listen, church, we have an awesome mission. Will you join? Will you come and be a part? I've seen souls saved and lives changed. Today is your day of deliverance. Let's all stand as the praise team comes. Father, we come to you and we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we honor you. Lord, we realize that we have a free gift, free will. Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour, I need you. Lord, help us and remind us daily that we need to be a follower. And Lord, for some that are in the room today that may not know you as Lord and Savior, today is their invitation. Oh God, I'd love to show them from the Bible how they too can start having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe for some there's been hardship and they just haven't let go to let God do a work in their life. Lord, help them to surrender to that. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that... Lord, as we all get distracted, that you'll still get back in the boat. You'll show us a miracle. You show yourself real. And Lord, you'll deliver us. Lord, help us. Mold us, make us to be more like thee. Lord, you are my king. And we serve you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. The